With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash spoken. That's linkedin.com slash spoken. Terms and conditions apply. WTF1 presents Hot Takes Wednesday. Hello and welcome back to another edition of the Hot Takes Wednesday podcast. I'm your friendly neighborhood host, Dre Harrison. And welcome to another edition of Hot Takes Wednesday, the show with your spicy takes and our even spicier opinions. Joining me in the other chair this time around once again is the lovely Hannah Atkinson. Hello, Hannah. How's it going? Hello, hello. All good, thanks. It's absolutely boiling today. So in a way, perfect day for Hot Takes Wednesday, you know, it'll just, it's just going to make it hotter in here. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm currently recording this podcast in an NBA jersey, which kind of says it all about the state of how, how hot it is in London right now. Um, and it was in Spain as well this past weekend. I mean, what did you make of the Spanish Grand Prix, uh, given we had you on for a little while? Yeah, I thought it was good. You know, Spanish Grand Prix tends to be, you know, a little bit boring. and But, but I didn't think it was so bad. Um, obviously, Verstappen win. What what can you do though? But it's that's always going to happen. It's kind of inevitable at this point. If you predict anything but Verstappen win, you're crazy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we we want to try and pretend like it's exciting, and then we try to try and mix it up a little bit and prediction wise. And trust me, I have tried. But when Max is out qualifying the field by half a second, and then winning via Grand Slam, a perfect win. <laughs> yes. Win, pole, fastest lap, led every lap on the table. Also, fun fact, Hannah, he has now led the most, he has now led 155 consecutive laps in wow, F1. That's amazing. Yeah, he led every he's led every lap in Spain. He led every lap in Monaco. And he last time he wasn't leading the lap was lap 46 of Miami when he passed Perez for the win. Gosh, that seemed like so long ago. <laughs> that was over a month ago. That was the He's last led time. laps for a whole month. That's a, yeah. what a stat. No one else has led F1, a lap of F1 for a good month. That's how dominant <laughs> Verstappen is at the moment. So if you want some perspective on how crazy things have gone lately in terms of Max Verstappen and how dominant he is, there you go. But we're not here to talk about Max yet um <laughs> we the, definitely the, will mention him at one point though <laughs> oh yeah there is a take on the list that directly involves him so don't worry about that and we know how you max fans get down on twitter so <laughs> for those who are new to the show because every podcast is someone's first welcome to hot takes wednesday on this show you the fine wtf1 audience email or tweet in your fine takes the, of the spicy variety and uh we uh the panel over here will sit down have a chat about them and then score them on a scale of one to five one being that we seriously disagree and five being that we seriously agree with it if we both agree on a one or a five it goes into our special sub-zero vault of the hottest and coldest takes of 2023 which we will go through in december looking forward to that there's already some great contenders uh in in that vault already that uh, i can't wait to dissect in december and look back on so without further ado hannah are you ready for hot takes wednesday of course let's do it take number one from 45 gunner on twitter who says Alpine will be in contention to beat Ferrari in the constructors by the end of the season. Mm. 
So Alpine in contention to beat Ferrari in the constructors by the end of the year. Hannah, what's your first impressions on that one? I mean, unfortunately, I just, I don't think so. I, I think, I don't think Alpine are doing badly at all this year. Um, maybe compared to last season, they're not doing so well. It's, they're not as strong. Um, but for me, Alpine consistently seem to be in the depths of the midfield so far this year. I feel like, of course, we saw Ocon on the podium. That was great to see. But oh. it's Monaco. Anything can happen at Monaco, really. It's kind of a one-off kind of race. You can't really take Monaco results. When, when thinking about the season, it's kind of, they're normally a bit different. Um, so that was great, but I just don't see that as being something that will happen again. I mean, maybe if we get another crazy race, but Alpine, they they seem to be around the, the P8 to P13 kind of, kind of mark. And then you get the occasional DNF Australia, <clears throat> you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I think, I feel like this hot take might come from a place that's like, Ferrari aren't doing so well. They they're not looking very strong. Bit inconsistent. So Alpine could beat them. Da, 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 da. I feel like that's where this hot take is coming from. But actually, so. if you if you look at it, I think Alpine. It's very unlikely that they will beat Ferrari and, and even battle with Ferrari for a position in the constructors. I I don't see it happening. What do you think, Dre? I think you're spot on. Um, it is a fun fact that the Ferrari are almost as close to Mercedes in the fight for second than they are with Alpine in fifth. They are 52 points behind Mercedes. They are 60 in wow. front of Alpine. So, like, all roads go through Maranello, uh, which I think <laughs> is uh, fascinating. Um, I generally agree with you. I think Alpine have had flashes of you know, where they can show that, yes, I think they can compete with Ferrari on occasion. Like Monaco was obviously a prime example of that. Australia, Gasly was running top five until that final restart where he plowed into into the wall with his teammate. Like Alpine's execution has been a problem all season long. And, And it's, don't get me wrong. They're also without question, probably the biggest victims of Aston Martin being as good as they have been this year because it, it sunk them from fourth to fifth. But at the same time, I also feel that Alpine have just been a bit sloppy throughout the year. I mean, I wrote an entire video about their team boss struggles, Lauren Rossi calling them out, um, calling Baku unacceptable. I joked that, you know, Pierre Gasly was announcing a new Pope um, when, when, <laughs> when that engine fire went down. Um, and, you know, Australia was unacceptable. Ocon was sloppy in Bahrain when he had that hat trick of penalties. Um, that didn't help. Um Gasly, G- Gasly, you, you forget in, in Spain, he, he qualified fourth. Yeah. That was an incredible lap, but then he got hit by six places of grid penalties for two blocks. Mm. Two blocks in qualifying, uh, which is, is, I mean, one is rare, two is a unicorn in the same session. That's impressive work from Gasly to be able to, to just be that sloppy, and he ended up finishing where he started in P10. And there is certainly upside in the Alpine camp, so I could see why someone would make this take, and I could certainly see, given Ferrari's struggles that you could think, well, maybe Alpine could claw them back. But I still think Ferrari, at its core, is better than Alpine. Um, Their driver lineup is better. Their car, I think, while having issues, and Spain was a 
all weekend for them. Leclerc didn't even score points on merit. Signs dropped from second to fifth in the race. Even with all of that, it's still more points than what Alpine brought brought home. So I don't I don't know where Alpine's going to make up sixty points on Ferrari. I, I like Alpine would have to have an outrageous weekend, like a double podium or something crazy like that for us to even start having the conversation. So yeah, for me, I'm thinking, do I open the vault on this? I'm going to say no, because I think Ferrari are still, they've, they've got issues. They have severe issues. Do not get me wrong. And that's the only thing that's stopping me from going one on this. I'm going to say mm. two. Because I think Alpine do have flashes of promise. I think they are stronger than what they were last year overall. But I still don't think it'll be it'll have them beat Ferrari over a full season. Yeah, I have to agree with you. I think I'm gonna give it a two as well. So you could have given it a one, because I wouldn't also give it a one. But yeah, I was thinking it, about it. It is a two. I like you said. Alpine seemed to have really positive moments, like great qualifying results. And obviously we had the podium, but it's just not enough. And I think these great moments tend to sort of <laughs> happen before a bad moment. And they just yeah. seem to like go through all of these dips. And so I, I feel like, yeah, I, overall, I, I don't agree. So it's going to be a two for me. If it oh, makes that rhymes you- as well. Yeah, there you go. Um, rhymed accidentally. It's like a Chris Moon video. <laughs> um <laughs> of you basketball fans out there with a Chris Smooth reference. But uh, if, like, if it makes you feel any better, 45 Gunner, I will certainly say that Alpine, I think, on paper, are a lot closer to Ferrari and Mercedes than they have been in recent years. I just think the results maybe don't quite reflect that. But I think their car is definitely closer than what it has been in previous years. Um, hence part of the reason why I said two rather than one, because I think they are definitely a stronger team in terms of the strength of their car. But I, I also think that they've just not executed, which I think has also been part of the problem there too. Uh, let's go to take number two from Smeathman. I think that's how I've pronounced that. Forgive me if, I, if I've gotten that wrong. I have a knack of butchering names. Um, Smeathman, who says on Twitter, unless... There's a crazy weather event or a crash. Max is winning every race left on the calendar. Hmm. <laughs> so not only yes. are we going Red Bull runs the table, we're going one stage further than that. We're saying Max wins everything. Hmm. This is this is hard because you know at first when I when you hear this hot take, you think yes. I mean, probably, let's be real. I think at the start of the year, no one wanted to admit that that could be the case. But if you look at the race results so far, Verstappen, Perez, Verstappen, Perez, Verstappen, Verstappen, Verstappen. Red Bull are obviously dominant. We all know that. We've said it many times. Max is dominant. The only person that can battle Max is Perez. Um, Or, you know, the only person that could get a win is Perez. And even then, the circumstances where he did win... Um, Max was starting near the back or Max had an unlucky pit stop because of a safety cut, you know, things like that, that in a normal race wouldn't happen. So like this hot take says, if nothing crazy does happen, I do think Max could win every race. Um, I agree. It's a five. Well, maybe not a five. Maybe that's too soon. Um, But well, I mean, I do have to agree, but then 
I, I kind of in my mind think Red Bull, yes, Max, yes, they'll just win. But Perez has won a couple of races. But then you think of the circumstances, were they, not all of them were typically crazy races. So right. you could say Perez, you know, won. I mean, he did win on merit. A couple of things happened that maybe helped him a little bit. But I mean, in, ter- in terms of Red Bull, the only people that could potentially challenge a Mercedes and Ferrari, and that's not to say I think they will. I think, you know, they'll have their cars will need upgrading and all of this will need happening. But I still think the gap is too big for them to actually chase Red Bull this season. Um, but when it, yeah, it's just such a difficult one because Red Bull seems so dominant and so does Max. So I want to say, yes, I completely agree with this, but Perez has won. So it kind of is interesting because like, what do you define as a crazy, crazy race or crazy weather or it's hard. What do you define as a crazy uh, race? Severe amount of rain affecting the race like Monaco would probably be one of those. I mean, yes. look, because the one crazy rain affected race we had this year, Verstappen very nearly lost. Mm. Um, if Aston Martin and Fernando Alonso's second stop is for inters rather than softs, or so to say mediums, I should say, but slip tires, whatever you want to describe it as. If that second stop is for Inters, Alonso probably wins that race because I think Max lost like 20 seconds on his final and it's on his final in lap before that, before he put on Inters himself. So that would have likely given Alonso track position. Mm. Um, and then you're asking Max, can you pass Fernando on track? And we all know the given it's Monaco, probably not happening. Um that's the closest anyone's come to beating Max, I think, straight up. Like, Saudi Arabia, if you read the tea leaves going through that weekend, Verstappen was dominating that weekend until his drive shaft had his issues in qualifying. I think he likely wins that race if he starts from pole. Um, and I think I think it's, what, it's what's played up into this whole Perez being the street track sort of guy, because Baku... He did win on merit, but even then, there's a bit of an asterisk involved because Hannah Schmidt's got the strategy wrong and Verstappen picked from the lead and that cost him track position. And once the race got going again, Perez was good enough to hold his own at the front of the field. So again, on street tracks, we know Perez is a lot stronger. His driving style is conducive towards it. And there is a couple more of them later on in the year. Singapore springs to mind. Um, Las Vegas springs to mind later on in the year as well. There's a couple of places where you think if Perez puts it all together, he could win straight up over a weekend. And F1 is such an unpredictable sport at times, not all the time, but there are a hundred different ways to lose a Grand Prix. Um, contact, overtaking, rain, strategy calls. Like, I still can't get there that Red Bull goes perfect on the year, let alone Max winning every round that's left, which would give him, God, I want to say, doing the math real quick in my head here, there's 16 races to go. No, 15 because we lost Imola. So 15 wins plus the five he's already got would be 20 for the year. He had that would 50, be crazy. It would be a 20-win season, which would blow completely to smithereens the 15 he won last year, which was an all-time single-season record. Mm-hmm. Um, 
adding plus five to that record would be absolutely nuts. Too much funky stuff goes down in F1. <laughs> I mean, could he do it? I think he could do it. Definitely, he's got the he's got the ability to, without yeah. question. Like, if I think we are close to the point where if Max has a clean weekend, he wins. Yes, that's pretty much how it goes now. I mean, if, I like, don't think we're close to. It. I think it is. If if Max has a clean weekend, he does win. I mean, I can't think of a time where he hasn't recent or like recent times. I mean, even Miami, he won from ninth mm. pretty comfortably in the end, and. Yeah, that was that was meant to be the oh well best hope for Perez round after <laughs> yeah. winning in Baku and then Perez got completely embarrassed in that race. And that was the mixed up grid that we got from qualifying. Yeah, and it, it just didn't matter because Max was second by lap fifteen and then he won by five seconds in the end because his 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 hard stint was so good. Um it's a great there's a new game that I feel like everyone's playing now. It's like if Max doesn't start on pole, at what lap everyone predicts what lap he'll <laughs> take the lead. And it's always Everyone predicts under 10. <laughs> well, welcome to the Max Verstappen take the lead sweepstakes. <laughs> yeah. great. I love it. We'll, we'll hold a raffle on, on the WTF1 Discord server <laughs> and see if, we see if we can pull that off, get some prizes going, get, get a little Tom Bowler going, maybe a, <laughs> a cuddly toy or something. No, I'm getting distracted here. I mean, for me, I'm probably, I don't, I probably don't feel as strongly about this as you do. Okay. Um, I think two. You're asking Max to to basically win eighteen races in a row, which is <laughs> like the fact that I'm even considering this <laughs> says a lot about how the state of the field is at the moment. Where it's like I'm, I don't think it's completely unthinkable, but too much funky stuff happens in F1. I'm gonna say two on this one. Like Perez will win one or two more before the year's out. I think. Like I, I, I can't get there on that. But the fact that I'm that I'm only giving it a two is probably an indication of where this field is at right now. Hannah, I think you were going strong on the other end of the scale here. Do you still feel? Yeah, that I'm way? surprised with your two. I, I think. I mean. <laughs> It's it depends what you define as an unusual race. So it, it's definitely, you know, people are going to have a lot of opinions about this. I think maybe my five earlier was definitely too strong and I, I was slightly exaggerating, but just a touch. I'm, I'm just going to go with a four. I think it, unless there is something that happens to affect the result, like, I mean, I mean, that happens in every race. Stuff happens to affect the result. But I mean, mm. you know what I mean? I think that Max just will be dominant, don, dominant, sorry, and he just will win. So it's a four for me. Dominant, yes, <laughs> dominant. we'll get there. <laughs> Welcome to Countdown. Uh, with, <laughs> but uh, um, yeah, I'll take a vowel and a consonant, please. Um, no, I, 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 I kid. Um, well, difference of opinion on that one. I, I, again, I just can't get there on that. I like... That's if any, if anybody wins 18 races in a row, I might just stop watching and just watch IndyCar <laughs> full time instead, and just ask them to reboot the reboot the entire channel because we're done here. If, if that if that's how it actually gets down in the end, but uh, we'll have to wait and see. But uh, and also, I do want to say I don't think that he's going to win every single race coming up. It's because I do think that we will have those unusual races that happen. Sure. That's why. Um, yeah. I'm not going to assume be, he's going to win fair, forever the, the rest the take, of the season. The take does read, unless there's a crazy weather event or a crash, which probably takes the two most likely circumstances off the table. Yeah. So, you know... You might be you might very well be right on that one. We'll have to, <laughs> we'll have to wait and see. Um 
you forgot to include mechanical retirements, my friend. Oh, <laughs> if we're being technical here. If, 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 if you want me to be that guy, you know, <laughs> then we'll have to wait and see. Tip number three is from hiking with my dog and hiking with my dog. Great, great hobby, by the way. I love that. <laughs> um, take number three reads, Lando Norris will never win. Straight wow. to the point. Lando Norris will never win a Grand Prix. Do you want to take this one first, Dre? I will, if 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 you're so kind. Um, <laughs> he needs to get out of McLaren for me to have any realistic shot of this happening. He's had he's had two chances, in my opinion, to win a Grand Prix since his career started. The big one being Sochi in 2021 when the rain came down and he ignored his team and he we went he as a basketball fan we call it playing hero ball where he was mm-hmm. like i'm going to stay out on slicks with the rain coming down and thinking i can hold on and make it to the end an understandable call but the wrong one in the end and that was a golden chance for norris to be able to win didn't cash in the other one was monza where Ricardo, I think, was just better than him that weekend. That was a, a bit of an outlier, given their time together as teammates. But I just think in Monza, Ricardo was just really, really strong. He was better than the Norris that weekend, and Ricardo deserved the win. He won pretty comfortably around because that that McLaren was a rocket ship in a straight line, and Monza mitigated a lot of McLaren's weaknesses. He's had two chances in a five-year career to win a Grand Prix, and he's failed to convert on either of them. And right now, McLaren are slipping. I mean, I think the way it's going, they're probably the sixth-best car in F1 right now. You're not winning a race with a McLaren right now. He needs to think about his future, and I think he needs to think about moving on. Do I think Lando is good enough to win in the right car. Absolutely. I think he is more than good enough to be able to do that. The issue I have is that I think Lando might be too loyal to McLaren for his own good. He's already done half a decade in F1, more or less. He's tied himself down till the end of 2025 with McLaren and from what I've been told, there is no performance clause in that deal for an early escape either. So <laughs> he's going to be at McLaren for at least another two and a half seasons by the looks of it. By that time, is a big team going to come knocking for him? It Would Mercedes, for example, come after him? Possibly. You know, would Ferrari do it? Who knows? Like, Charles Leclerc is tied down long-term. Carlos Sainz has been fine as the second driver. Red Bull flirted with the idea of bringing Norris. And I know Christian Horner was on the record. I think it was actually a very funny quote where Horner was like, so Norris, would you would you maybe, you know, put a feeler out there, consider going to Red Bull? And then a week later, he signed a three-year extension at McLaren. <laughs> and Horner was like, well, sod that then. Uh, basically, <laughs> it's worth a try. It was worth a go in it. Um, but um, it, I think this boils down more to how loyal Lando is and how and how willing he is to play the political game to try and get himself a better drive. And I've not seen enough evidence of that to suggest um, that that's possible. I mean, how do you feel about it, Hannah? Like, about Lando as a driver and, you know, his current climate in F1? Yeah, I think he's a great driver. And and like you said, at McLaren, 
I don't think it's possible for him to get a win. I mean, you'd need crazy circumstances and, and something wild to happen for that to for him to get a win at McLaren. So I think we'll be looking into the future and in his future, I do think that he'd be silly not to go to a, a top team. What once his contract is up, he'd be silly to I mean, it depends. McLaren might be <laughs> right at the top in two years, but that's just not likely. And I think Mercedes or Red Bull are the teams that you'd probably look at that would consider him and that he would even consider. Mm. And who, okay, who would his teammates be? You, you'd have probably Russell and, and probably Max. And I think both of those times, I, I'd like to think he'd be kind of equal or on, on par with Russell. And, and Max obviously would be the the golden, the golden child and... Russell would, at McLaren will be Russell at Mercedes will be fascinating. Yes. And I feel like with both of those, even if Lando was not equal and he was kind of the teammate that was going behind a little bit, you still have the opportunities to win in those teams. Like a Perez right now, he's won twice, but Max is dominant. And when Bottas was teammates with Hamilton, Hamilton was obviously dominant, but Bottas still came out of that with a handful of wins 10 yeah it's like quite quite good for, for Bottas I feel like so I, I think even if he was in those teams but he wasn't the the top driver he'd still win absolutely so I feel like it all depends on whether he does go to one of those top teams or not and I think he would if the opportunity fell in his lap he'd be silly not to take it and obviously he is connected to McLaren and he in a way has grown up with McLaren absolutely in F1, you can have loyalties, but actually when it comes down to winning and wanting a title and fighting at the top, that's what matters most to these drivers. And and I think he will eventually end up at a top team. So I, I don't agree with this hot take. I feel like he will win. Um, don't know when that will come, but hopefully at some point in the next five years or so, I'd love to see it. I'm going to say two. I I disagree. I I, I agree with you, Hannah. I think a better seat will come around eventually. I think he is the best midfield car driver in Formula One and has been for a good while now. Um, I think the talent is more than there for him to win a Grand Prix. And like you say, if he went to a big team, even if he got blown out by a superior teammate, it's it's rare. If If he ends up in a Red Bull, for example... There's, he'd absolutely at least match Checo and win two or three rounds a year. I think yes, it's absolute definitely. worst. And I, I actually think he's a bit better than that. So I actually think he might take four or five wins mm-hmm. out of that sort of scenario. Yeah. If he went to Mercedes, depends on how Mercedes gets on as a manufacturer. Right now, they're probably not quite good enough to win on merit. But if the opportunity came, if Red Bull has a bad day, he, I think he could. Like you say, I think a, a partnership of him and George at Merckx would be fascinating. I would love to see how those two would get down. I think they're I think they're very similar in terms of talent, and I think they're very close in terms of, of overall ability. Mm. I think overall, I absolutely think that Lando is good enough to win a race, and I think he's too good not to get that opportunity at some point in his career. He's still only, I think, 24 years old. He's he's a baby in F1 terms as well, um, but with a good blend of experience to his name as well. So I think it's only a matter of time. So I'm going to say two. I, I mean, 
if he is this bad politically at working out where the right seat is to be, I can't completely dismiss that possibility because we've seen other guys around his talent level somehow go winless. But can't quite get there on this one. So I'm going to say two. Yeah, it's a two for me as well. I think that the opportunity will will come his way and I think he probably will take it. And I do think if, I mean, if his teammate is Russell, I think he could definitely challenge Russell. Um, And with Max, I feel like he could even challenge Max a little bit. I do think it's, it's hard to think of anyone right now challenging Max. It is hard. Yeah. But, you know, it's, you you never know until your actual teammates with someone how you would go up against them and and I feel like Lando would definitely come away from a season with uh, uh, maybe a few more wins than Perez like you said I think he would definitely challenge more than Perez would um, so I, I think I mean this is all hypothetically speaking because obviously course. it's not happening right now he's still at McLaren and will be for a few years but I, I do think he'll come away with a win so it's a two for me Okay, okie dokie, fair enough. Yeah, I think that's all sound logic there. Take number four is from a Fossil 20. Fossil 20, who says, and this is going to be a fun one Max will <laughs> never be considered a true great until he wins a title under adversity that isn't marred in controversy. I wonder what that's a reference to. <laughs> Max will never be considered a true great until he wins a title under adversity that isn't marred in controversy. I like this hot take. I really like it. It's an interesting one, isn't it? <laughs> uh, interesting to, to say the least. <laughs> I, I, I have to open up the vault that says 2021 written on it. <laughs> yeah. it, it it's, it's, it's radioactive. It's, it's not fun to touch, but... Okay, I'll get my hazmat suit on and address this <laughs> this elephant in the room. If Max Verstappen retires tomorrow, in my opinion, he is an all-time great. Wow, okay. Interesting. I, I would say, I, I talked about this last week with Charlie on the show because the, the idea of Max going for eight came up. Okay. Um, and you know, a take was in there that was incredibly hot that said that, oh, you know, Verstappen might might already be the greatest of all time. We just might we might just not know it yet. Right. There's something to that. What I would say is is that he's already got a career that by the end of this season will be greater numerically than someone like Ayrton Senna. If he if he matches his 15 win season from last year, he's very close to like 50 career wins with three titles. That's all-time great numbers, no mm -hmm. matter which way you cut it. Now, this take assumes we're talking about asterisking or diminishing 2021, because there's 2022 was not controversial, unless you consider the cost cap breach. And my opinion on that has always been, if I was going to cheat a cost cap on pen uh, on purpose, I wouldn't be doing it over three quarters of a million bucks. <laughs> because mm. in the initial statement, when the FIA released their findings on Red Bull breaking the cap, they said they didn't apply a tax rebate properly. And if they did, it would have been about three quarters of a mil. They would have been over by. And if if I I don't think. Red Bull going over by less than a million dollars on a $135 million cap is the exact reason why they're destroying the field and have done for the last year and a half. Like, I'm, I, I can't get there on that one. I think it's a big leap of logic, catering jokes, nonwithstanding. <laughs> um, 
2021, even before Abu Dhabi, Max was having a fantastic season. He, he'd already won nine races that year, and he was the first real contender that Lewis had had in that turbo hybrid era that wasn't in the same car as him, like Nico Rosberg was. Seb had a couple of the seasons where he was close, but he couldn't hold up over a whole year. Um, Max was the first one that pushed Lewis to the absolute limit like Rosberg did. Even though the ending was obviously a farce, not disputing that for a minute, it had nothing to do with Max. Max was not the reason why it was a farce. And I've mentioned this point before in other places. Verstappen, in that final round, had a weaker car, significantly slower than Mercedes on the day, and had an extra set of tyres in the back. So when Latifi hit the wall with six laps to go, Red Bull were always going to gamble on tyres because they had nothing to lose at that point anyway. Oh no, you've got a 30-second pocket with Perez's dead car behind you, and you have an extra pair of soft tyres. Of course you're going to gamble. You've got nothing to lose under a safety car. So, as much as the finish was bad, Red Bull were always going to pull the trigger strategically on what they did. And I think Max's 2021 season was outstanding even before Abu Dhabi. So, for me, I don't consider those two titles controversial. But I've got one more point I want to make on this, but I'll save it. I'll save it for after you after okay. you talk about it a little bit. I've got another point to make on this. Okay. I, I do I think this hot take is saying that both to be I mean, both the 2021 season and 2022 season are not good enough to consider him a great. I feel like that's what the hot take is saying. Because it's saying for him to be considered great, it needs to be not controversial, but it also needs to have a battle. And so it's taking like things from both of those seasons, winning non-controversially and having a battle into one in a way. Yeah. And I, I get what they're saying. I feel like to be considered a great, you need to experience, you need to have lots of different experiences. I think that is key. And both the titles so far have been kind of opposites in a way. And, and right. we know that he is going to win the title this year, most definitely. And, and this will probably be easier than 2022, definitely. Um, it's hard because, I, like you said, Dre, I do feel like he has done enough to be considered one of the, the top drivers. Stats-wise and just skill-wise, you know that he is one of the best. And even though... It depends what you count as one of the greats. It's like sure. Lewis and Schumacher, GOAT debate, all of this, but then Vettel comes into the GOAT debate and lots of other drivers do as well. So it depends what you count as the great, but I feel like Verstappen so far has shown that he is in that debate. And even though numbers-wise he hasn't won the most championships there, but I feel like as the years go on, he definitely will be up there. And both his seasons have been very different, but I think as time goes on, 2023, he's going to win. Probably 2024, probably 2023. I mean, we don't know what's going to yeah. happen, but I think it does get to a point where, like you said as well, in 2021, the battle that they had, just because the last race was controversial, it doesn't get rid of the battle they had throughout the rest of the season. Agreed. You still have to take all of that into consideration. And to say that Max didn't deserve that 
that title. I mean, I get why someone would say that. I understand that there's probably a lot of anger there, but I think both of them deserve the title. It just, that last race kind of messed it up. And, you know, we all know, we don't need to go into detail there, but I think to not think about the rest of the season and focus on the last race would be silly. Um, I want to know what your last point is. (laughs) My last point was that it's not, it's the take itself. And the problem with it is that I had a flashback to being a big Sebastian Vettel fan growing up. And annoyingly, I I wanted to just straight up call this a one, but Mm. I can't now. And there's a reason why. As a huge Vettel fan, I remember being a content creator when I first started in 2010, 2011, that sort of time span. And this was the peak of Sebastian Vettel. And this is a guy that, for those who don't know, maybe you know younger fans, for example, 2010, Vettel wins the title in the last race of the season. He didn't lead the championship at any point throughout that year until the final round. Put a fight on pole, won the race, basically stole Mark Webber's lunch money and Fernando Alonso's lunch money on the way out because they couldn't pass at Abu Dhabi, right? That was a tough title that could have gone to any one of four people on the final day because Webber, Alonso, even Hamilton had an outside chance of being able to win the title on the last day. 2011, Vettel dominated. He won, I think it was 11 races that season. That was a clear dominant title. Webber had the best car out of the box. 2012 is one of the best seasons ever. Like, uh, ask anybody that's seen the 2012 season. It's an all-time classic. The the, the back and forth, Vettel's comeback at the end of the year, the two big races in Abu Dhabi and Brazil to close out the season. It's one of the all-time greats. It went to the absolute wire. And then 2013 again, Vettel won nine in a row to close out the year. Vettel had every sort of title fight you could possibly have. And I don't think it was even until 2013 when people started considering, oh, maybe Vettel was the best driver in the world. I remember when he won the fourth title in India in 2013, Martin Brundle says on the broadcast, that's the most important man in the team and it's not the man with the blonde hair. He was talking about Adrian Newey. So people, people were dismissive of Vettel's run as it was happening, even in the moment it was mm. happening because of Adrian Newey being such an important part of Red Bull. Um, and Vettel never got the benefit of the doubt that other greats like Hamilton has had in at certain points of his career. So annoyingly, the more I think about it, it's not so much that Max is or isn't an all-time great. It's more the fact of how he will be perceived by the audience at large that might ultimately go against him. Mm. So I'm going to go the other way on this. I was going to I was going to say one, but the more I think about this take and the more I've seen how other champions have been described, talked about the narratives that have surrounded their careers over 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 time, people have been a lot pettier about drivers with better resumes than Max over stuff that was a lot pettier than what Max has had to deal with in his two world titles so far. Mm. Four for me. Oh, okay. That's a high number. I feel like I need to... Re- Max will never be considered a true great until he wins a title under adversity that isn't modern controversy. Well, yeah. well, 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 where's the adversity coming from? <laughs> well, I suppose... 
I oh this is really tricky I think I'm gonna I think I I think I disagree I'm gonna give it a three a, a two or a three oh, I'm gonna give it a 2.5 is that allowed Joe? Mm. <laughs> I'll give it a I'll give it a three I'll, I'll, I'll allow it just this okay, once. Okay, great, great. Um, it's a fascinating take. And yeah, I, I think there's two very clear ways of looking at it. It look You, you look at it at, from from the the nuance of the seasons he, that he has won and the fact that, yes, they have had controversies to the point where it would be valid to put an asterisk next to them in some cases. And the other side of the coin being how fans judge people and goat debates are something that will always rage on. It's sports, it's sports discourse. It's how it goes down and how it's how it's always gone down. And yeah, people like the close title fights because it's, it's, it's cooler to talk about. Like, would you rather talk about 2021 as a title fight? Or would you rather talk about 2020 where Hamilton just completely ran over the field? Like 2021 is infinitely more interesting. Yeah. Like I, I, I stand by this. People will look back at 2021 in 10 years' time and laugh. <laughs> Genuinely. Because, yes. because if you think that that is the only controversial end to a title fight that's ever happened in sports, you are crazy. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. you know, it's... And I, I think half of, I think about half a dozen people just tuned out when, the moment I came out with that <laughs> sentence because of how tribalistic F1 fans can be. But it's a risk I am prepared to take. Mm-hmm. <laughs> take number five from Sarcastic Hat uh, in the chat. Uh, or Sarcastic Chat, I suppose. I'm not sure how, because the C only, is only used once. It could, it could go either yes. way. could go um, either way. Yeah. Take number five. Mercedes will finish above Aston Martin in the Constructors thanks to the consistency of Lewis and George over Alonso and Lance. Mm. Merck's above Aston Martin, thanks to the consistency of the drivers over Aston Martin. How do you feel about that one, Anne? I feel like this one is is pretty straightforward in a way. I, I think I'd love to see Aston Martin fighting for that P2, and I feel like you would as well. Mm. Um, every, I feel like everyone would like to see them fighting for P2, and I think they will. But as time goes on, I feel like they will slowly drop off and i think that will be due to the consistency from both drivers like this hot take says i think because aston martin had such a strong start to the season we're forgetting i feel i feel like a lot of people forget about where they were last year like p7 finishing in the constructors championship last mm. year and the same the year before that and now suddenly they're going for P2 and P3 in the championship. I mean, I can't speak for seasons so far in the past, but certainly from when I started watching, that's kind of unheard of, that right. big of a jump. No, you're right. It's very rare. And I do agree that the pairing of Hamilton and Russell right now is stronger than the pairing of Alonso and Stroll. And, and I think because of those dynamics, Mercedes will probably come out on top mm. and, and finish P2. So I do agree with this hot take, although... It would be nice to see Mercedes and Aston fighting a bit more um, throughout the rest of the season. And I think that they will and that they will make it interesting. But towards the end of the season, I think we'll probably see a clear winner. And I think it will probably be Mercedes. I agree. I think there's one big elephant in the room and I kind of talked about it a little bit last week. Lance Stroll is 64 points behind his teammate. 
And you say it like that, it seems like a lot. I mean, we've it doesn't had, seem like a lot, it is a lot. We've had a third of the season and Stroll is 64 points behind Fernando. That's the issue. Like, Spain was the first genuinely mediocre round that Alonso has had all year. He was mm-hmm. seventh, he qualified badly, and he was outraced by Lance Stroll on merit over the course of that Grand Prix. And it didn't help that Merckx put down a double podium on the weekend, probably a little bit higher than what they should have had on paper because Perez was so poor um, and they could only come back to fourth in the end. But that was a big swing. There's now 18 points between them in, in that fight for a second. It was only one after Monaco. So that was a big blow from, um, against Aston Martin in that fight for second. Stroll's an anchor. This is the problem. Stroll needs to be better. I've got no issue with Fernando. And I think Alonso has absolutely deserved to be third best man in the championship so far because he consistently has been. He's had five podiums this year to Hamilton's two and Russell's one. Um it's 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 worthy of, of 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 colossal praise and it's deserving that he's third. But stroll finishing around sixth, seventh, eighth, that sort of area, and not particularly qualifying well, it opens the door for people like Mercedes, Ferrari, and even Alpine to a degree to potentially finish in front of him. And if you're gonna do that, it's gonna drag your whole team down and it's gonna open the door for Mercedes to beat you because Hamilton and Russell are pretty close on overall ability right now. I think they tend to race pretty close weekend to weekend. They're roughly in the same sort of area skill-wise, and they generally finish within a couple of spots of each other each weekend. They're both consistently strong drivers. We can't say that about large Stroll, and Stroll's running out of excuses He's got a very good car underneath him, and Alonso has proven that the Aston Martin is a very good car. But, like, Lance Stroll is only 10 points ahead of Esteban Ocon this year. He's he's behind Charles Leclerc, who's had a dreadful season so far by his standards. He's only behind him by seven. Like, it's Stroll is, is under par for where he is right now in F1 and for the team he's got. And that is going to open the door for Mercedes to beat them for second. If mm-hmm. I'm not saying Stroll has to match Alonso week in and week out. Of course <laughs> not. Alonso is an all-time great. But if he was finishing fourth and fifth every other weekend, much more to the car's par, then Merckx would be in some genuine trouble. I, yes. I, I, I think Aston Martin would comfortably be ahead of Mercedes in the championship. I think Stroll is is the big weakness of this Aston Martin team, and I think that is going to be the issue. So for me, I'm going to say five. I strongly agree. Ooh. I think I think Lance is the issue, and I think the Mercs' overall driver quality will get them second in the end. Yeah, I I completely agree, and it's going to be another five from me. So that's one for the hey. vault. Um, it, it highlights it for me. If you look at the driver's standings right now, it's very satisfying apart from Aston Martin. You've got the Rebels next to each other, the Mercedes next to each other, Ferrari and Alpine next to each other. And then the Aston Martin drivers are just split. And it's very unsatisfying. <laughs> but that's if I'm being picky. But it just does highlight that 
difference between Alonso and Stroll. And I mean, you can look at it just by performances throughout the race and all of Alonso's podiums. But when you see it in front of you like that and you see all these teammates close together and then you see the Aston Martins, it's it's a bit of a shame, isn't it? Yeah, it is. I, I would like to see Stroll be involved in that fight for second and seeing more green versus black car battles on track like that. But Stroll's just not been at that level where he's consistently fighting Mercedes and Alonso, his own teammate, which has just been, it's been an outlier in that, in that midfield fight. And that is at this level uh, against stronger opposition than what they were in the midfield. That is a problem. Um, At the higher levels, those flaws get exposed Um, and it's, it's not going great for Lance and Lance should not be eighth out of, out of that big eight of the regular point scorers. Um, given that their car is tracking to be more like second, third at worst. So yeah, that is going to be something to keep an eye on. Although it's kind of hard to, you know, say how the rest of the year will play out because again, development races and how Mercedes being the factory team will get on, compared to Aston Martin, who are the customers. We'll have to wait and see, but uh, it's not been great for Stroll so far. (laughs) But that'll that'll just about do it on this episode of Hot Takes Wednesday. Big thanks to Hannah for joining me as ever. We'll be back after the Canadian Grand Prix uh, this weekend. Looking forward to that. My favourite race on the calendar, or one of my favourite races on the calendar. Looking forward to that Canada goes down. Exciting Um, for you then. Oh, love it. Love the track. Love love the area. Want to go to Canada at some point and do it. Um, One of my my all-time favourites. Can't wait for that. So we'll be back after the Canadian Grand Prix. So until then, I've been Dre Harris and she's been Hannah Atkinson. And thank you very much for listening. Sayonara. Bye.